The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Chris Cast. Joining me through the Spotify for Podcasters app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, we're going to get right into the news this week because we got a lot to talk about. And first up, we're going to start with food. Got one from chewboom.com. Kellogg's launches new macaron flavored miraculous cereal. Now, I think it's a Disney movie coming, miraculous animated kids TV show, Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir. And they're doing was the the headline was wrong. I wondered about that. It's macaroon flavored, not macaron. They left out a no in the headline. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I thought I think you meant macaroon. Well, it's it's clearly macaron in the the headline there. It is. So, anyways, macaroon flavored miraculous cereal. I'm not sure what miraculous is. This is. New Kellogg's Miraculous Cereal features sweet strawberry-flavored pink and purple cereal pieces with white marshmallows. The first, the, the, the new offering represents Kellogg's first ever macaron again flavored cereal. So I don't think they know what they're talking about, honestly. Because again, in the while, in the while you're talking while you're talking about that, I'm going to look up macaron and see if there is a macaron. You go ahead. Okay. There's not a lot more to say. It says that it's going to start in April for a suggested retail price of $5.29. And I'm beginning to think that it is not macaron because they left out the D on suggested price. So, but that's $5.29 for an 8.4 ounce box and $6.49 for a 13.5 ounce box. And for such a short article, Literally three paragraphs and four sentences, and they couldn't get the the typing better than that. They really need to have a talk with this writer. Okay, hold um, on. Writer. Okay, I looked it up. Macaron. That is apparently how you spell it because there's nothing but pictures of macarons beside of them. Well, maybe. But again, suggest S U G G E S T E price. So they left out the D. So I'm. I'm still not convinced. Anyways, proofread your articles before you post them, especially in a major... Yeah, I see it, but maybe it's not macaroons and it's macarons. Because aren't macaroons a nut? I don't remember. Let me... No, I don't think macaroons a nut. Well... When you type in macaroons, it says macaron underneath it. So I really don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Apparently, we're just a redneck. We don't know how to spell macaroon. <laughs> well, no, about a macaroon is a small cake or biscuit typically made from ground almonds, coconut, or other nuts, which is where I get the nuts from. Yeah. With sugar and sometimes flavorings, food coloring, glacé, cherries, jam, or a chocolate coating. Or a combination of these or other ingredients. So apparently it is the right spelling. Yeah, there's macaroon versus macaron too. Macaroons are larger, denser, and chewier than macarons. Oh, macaroon's there you probably go. The, 
small ones, the macaroons are bigger, I guess. I, I guess. I don't think anybody knows really. It's just one of those things. I know we get in them. I know we get them in at TG Maxx by the packages, and we sell the shit out of them things. But anyways, moving on from the macaron macaroon dispute is from lootpress.com. Pringles introduces new limited edition Pringles Minecraft Suspicious Stew. You know, we talked about Kellogg's Minecraft cereal last week, so now we've got Pringles doing Minecraft. Minecraft Stew flavored chips? Suspicious Stew. It says... Introducing Pringles Minecraft Suspicious Stew. No need to scavenge for ingredients for a taste. The flavor masters at Pringles are bringing the iconic stew to real life, infusing the delicious taste of suspicious stew into one crisp or a flavor experience sure to satisfy Pringles fans and Minecraft players alike. That don't even sound good. I I like Pringles, and I'd be willing to try them if there's no meat product in them. But Pringles have gone up so much in the last few years. So is everything. Yeah, but Pringles have really, like, they've more than doubled. Are they baked or fried? I can't remember. I don't remember. I think they're all pressed together. All I know is they're tasty. My, what's your favorite chip? I'd probably have to go with Doritos Cool Ranch. I'm talking about for Pringles. Pringles. I like the pizza ones. Uh, any of the cheddar flavors like cheddar and sour cream or the cheddar themselves and the sour cream and onion, the barbecue. My go-to is the- even the plain Pringles are good and I don't really care for plain chips. My my favorite ones is sour cream and onion or plain. That's my two favorites. But, but moving on, did you know there's a bagel tax? A what? A bagel tax. What in the world? No, it's, it's existed. And I didn't know about it until the announcement of Philadelphia cream cheeses tax-free bagel. I don't get it. I don't either, but this is the article from businesswire.com. Philadelphia cream cheese says, stuff it to New York's outrageous bagel tax with the debut of the first ever tax-free bagel. It says, just in time for tax day, Philadelphia cream cheese and H&H bagels launched the limited edition tax-free bagel, an unsliced New York-style bagel filled with smooth, creamy Philly cream cheese. Chicago and Pittsburgh. New York City may be the bagel capital of the world, but its residents incur a ludicrous bagel tax each time they opt to purchase a bagel that's sliced and smeared with cream cheese. As a brand that has set the cream cheese standard for 150 years, Philadelphia believes that no one should have to pay an extra tax to experience its silky smooth delight. To address the New York bagel tax head-on, the brand is taking the tax and stuffing it literally with the debut of the new limited edition tax-free bagel available nationwide Friday, April 14th through tax day, Tuesday, April 18th. Created in partnership with the iconic H&H Bagels in New York City, the renowned 50-year-old bagel shop fans across the country know and love, 
So the tax-free bagel is a full-sized unsliced bagel with smooth, creamy Philly cream cheese. The elimination of the bagel slice and schmear can circumvents the additional tax requirement, making fans of favorite bagel and schmear all the more enjoyable. I was going to look up the um, I want to look up bagel tax right quick and see what that means. Well, that's basically what it is. Is it's when they're the bagels are sliced and butter and cream cheese is put on them. There's a tax in New York City. That's bullshit. I don't understand why. I don't know who made that law, but this may change that law because I'm sure a lot of people had no realization that it was there. I say we throw all the bagels into the into the bay, like they did the tea. It says the tax-free bagel will be available locally in H&H Bagels Manhattan-based locations and for national delivery at hhbagels.com, giving New Yorkers and people coast-to-coast -coast the opportunity to partake in stuffing this ridiculous tax while supplies last. Tax-free bagel will be available at H&H Bagels' three best-selling flavors of plain, everything, and cinnamon raisin, all stuffed with Philly cream cheese for a rich and creamy taste and texture in each bite. So... If you want to order them, if you're not in New York City, you can go to hhbagels.com. And I wonder if it's on there yet. Let's find out. Do you like bagels? I love bagels. The more cream cheese, the better. I love I love cream cheese on my bagel. Yeah. Do you get do you toast yours or not? I always toast mine when I make them at home. Now, what's your favorite bagel? I like the plain. I'm just, I don't really have a need for all the special flavor bagels. I just, I like it plain with regular old cream cheese on there. There's a grocery store right here at my house. They sell the multi berry ones and they also had the blueberry ones. Those are my favorite. And I will put that cream cheese on there so thick and I'll eat that on the way into work. Mm mm mm. That's some good eating. I oh here's nationwide shipping so I'm trying to find if you can even get it on here yet. But yeah, Ancient stuffed bagels and Philadelphia cream cheese, seventy four dollars. For how many? Six plain bagels stuffed. Six bagels for seventy four dollars. But it looks like it says bagel flavor one, six plain bagels stuffed, bagel flavor two, six plain bagels. They're crazier in hell. You can buy, um, you ever had um, bagels from Panera Bread? I have not. Now, those are really, really good. Those are made in house. Apparently, you get six of the the stuffed bagels and then you get six of whatever flavor they've got cheddar jalapeno asiago, asiago bagels egg bagels pumpernickel bagels blueberry bagels whole wheat everything bagels onion bagels everything bagels cinnamon raisin based bagels whole wheat bagels sesame bagels poppy bagels and plain bagels you ever watched bagels how they're made you ever watched them no they're actually boiled. But if you add to the those flavors, one pound of plain cream cheese is an additional $14. Well, 
I'm good. I'll just buy it here at my local store. But what they, that's how they're so chewy is they're actually boiled and then cooked on each side. That's why they're so soft and chewy. Well, do you have any of the food items that you want to talk about? Because I've got two food-related articles, but not food articles. Um, I haven't tried anything different this week, so no, you're good. Okay. Well, the first food-related article is from GearJunkie.com. Did you see what Bush's Beans is doing? No, but you know that there's based at Sevierville, Tennessee. Yeah, well, they're giving away a camping experience. The camping is inside of a giant bean can. It's at Sevierville. Oh, it is a bean can. Yep. It's just a round camper, and they've got some pictures of the interior, and it is all bushes, beans, themed. It's actually cute. Including the bedspread, which is baked beans. So, I don't know if that would be the best bed bedspread to lay in, but because there sure is nothing enticing about the baked bean bedspread to me. I've been by the Bush's Baked Beans Factory probably a half a dozen times, uh, going to Pigeon Forge, and um, it's actually a big operation. Uh, that place is big, and yeah. they have a big can of beans out there in front of their plant. Uh, it says Bush's Baked Beans. <laughs> it, I'm sure it's a silo or something, but anyways, it's, um, it's well, actually it's... pretty cool. This camping experience has a TV inside of it. It has a little kitchenette. You've got a miniature refrigerator. Looks like a burner and a sink, but I can't tell. It might be like a, a, a gas flame burner from what I can see of it. It's yeah. real small towards the back of it, so even enlarging it, you can't really make out exactly what it is. But it looks like a propane gas stove kind of thing, which seems kind of dangerous to have inside, personally, but I don't know. I would say probably a Bunsen burner would be the best in there. There's a little hot but plate. Anyways, to enter, head to bushescanper.com B-U-S-H-S-C-A-N as in Nancy per.com and fill out some basic information name address birthday etc you can choose which park you prefer to stay near or select all three just note that if you win you'll have to make a choice sweepstakes is open now and runs until just before midnight on april 26th i want to i want to sign you up you and lamar up for it yeah i don't go camping so no well that's not really going camping it's glamping it's camping. There's no bathroom in there. Well, we'll park you near a bathroom. No, I, I need a bathroom. I need air conditioning. I need the whole nine yards. You want to rent me well, a hotel room? Fine. But I don't do camping. Okay. And then finally, food related. Did you see, since we're talking about the, the camper, did you see what's going on with the Wienermobile? No. This is from news3lv.com. Wienermobile to transform into 
Wiener of Love Chapel in Las Vegas hosting free weddings. That's right. You can get married in the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Oh, shit. I've heard it all now. It says the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile will be headed to Las Vegas where it will transform into the Wiener Mobile of Love hosting two days of complimentary hot dog themed weddings. Starting Monday, April 10th, interested couples can sign up for the exclusive opportunity online and will be selected on a first come, first serve basis. So if it's only two days, today was the last, yeah, yesterday was the last day. So we've already missed it. Because all the weddings will then take place on Saturday, April 15th and sixth, Sunday, April 16th at the Wiener which will be parked next to the famous Little White Chapel on Las Vegas Boulevard. Winning couples will enjoy a live Wiener Whistle Quartet, a wonderfully odd Wiener Cake, plenty of photo ops, and a pun-filled ceremony officiated by Oscar Mayer's very own hot dogs. How sad is your life that you're going to sign up for that? But you know what? There's probably some adventurous couples out there that will have fun with it. I don't know. I think it would be fun. I don't know that it's the lasting memory you want your wedding to be. But if you're going to get married at a chapel of love in Las Vegas, why not the Wienermobile? I could see some dude named Billy Bob and his wife named Deborah or something like that going and doing this. Well, and and uh, not just that, but remember Betty White. Her favorite food was hot dogs. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yep, that was her favorite meal. Hmm. So, you know, it's it's all kinds of people. Did you ever try? Do you do? You, is there a vegan hot dog? That, that oh, there's all there? kinds of vegetarian hot dogs. So, do you ever get any of them? Yeah, they taste really close to regular hot dogs. Okay, good. Like I, I would bet you, if someone would serve you a vegetarian hot dog and you had no clue, you wouldn't know the difference if you ate it. Probably not, because. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again whenever I eat one of those Impossible Whoppers. They're just as good, if not good, as a regular Whopper. <clears throat> and see, the only... the I'm talking about regular hot dogs, too. I'm not talking like ballpark beef franks or anything like that. Yeah, yeah there's going to be a difference with those, but as far as just a regular old hot dog, I, I say they taste about the same. The ones I've been getting here for here at the house, I've been getting the Oscar Mayer Angus beef hot dogs that are uncured because with you they're cured it's got all the nitrates and stuff in it so uh, I've been getting the Angus beef ones and those are pretty good but but since that's the end of the food we'll go on to the global disaster God, this is from USA that, Today you talking about Trump no I'm talking oh. about actual global disaster Study warns critical ocean current is nearing collapse. That would be I, a global disaster. That is the headline of this article. I just read that today. This is, again, from the USA Today. Due to global warming, a deep ocean current around Antarctica that has been relatively stable for thousands of years could head for collapse over the next few decades. Such a sudden shift could affect the planet's climate and marine ecosystems for centuries to come. So says a recent study that was published in the peer-reviewed journal Nature. 
The cold water that sinks near Antarctica drives the deepest flow of a network of currents that spans throughout the world's oceans, known as the overturning circulation. The overturning carries heat, carbon, oxygen, and nutrients around the globe. This, in turn, influences climate, sea level, and the productivity of marine ecosystems. Indeed, the loss of nutrient-rich seawater near the surface could damage fisheries, according to the study. And again, we know who will completely ignore this study and deem that it's not true and that the Earth is fine, but we're constantly seeing it that they are constantly giving more reasons to take care of the environment. People will not eat it. Now, what I understand, it said the next few decades, a few means 20. I mean, as in, as in, 30. a couple of, okay, a few would be 30. That's within our lifetime. Yes. I'll, I'll be 30 when that happens. Well, I'll be 80. That's because you're old. I'm young. <laughs> Shut up. You're not that far behind me. I'm way far behind you. But what? About five years? But moving on to happier news. <laughs> we got to get away from the, the gloom and doom here. This was printed in Rolling Stone today. Madonna, Daddy Yankee, Mariah Carey Classics added to Library of Congress's recording registry. And I guess I can see Mariah Carey's getting put in there. I don't agree with it. But it's Mariah Carey's is all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, I saw Madonna, that however, is her career-making hit going in there. Which one? Like a Virgin. Oh, so it got put in? Yes. And I don't know Daddy Yankee at all, so I can't speak on Gasolina. I saw where the first video game song was put in there was um, Super Mario Brothers um, video game song. Yeah, we'll have plenty of talk about that later. It says the 2023 class of recordings includes a mix of pop hits, classic gems, and even a few left field choices like Carl Sagan's audiobook Pale Blue Dot and Koji Kondo's original Super Mario Brothers theme song. There you go. Marking the first time video game music has been added to the National Recording Registry. Recordings added to the National Recording Registry have been deemed, quote, worthy of preservation for all time based on their cultural, historical, or aesthetic importance in the nation's recorded sound heritage. Because while the majority of the 2023 class is comprised of singles, a few albums were given the honor, such as Like a Virgin, Queen Latifah's 1989 debut, All Hail the Queen, The Police's 1983 LP, Synchronicity, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young's 1970 classic, Deja Vu. The oldest addition to the registry this year is also an album, the very first Mariachi Recordings, 1908 to 1909, which boasts recordings by four Mexican musicians from Jalisco, made in Mexico City after the turn of the century. And then the sponsored content covers it up, so I don't know if there's more in it or not, but. Well, let's just go ahead and celebrate that Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. It's in there. Well, I'm just pointing out that she needed a gimmick to get in it, and Madonna just needed an album. That's not a gimmick. It's a Christmas song. It's a gimmick. 
Why do you say it's a gimmick? Because it's a Christmas song. It's a gimmick. All Christmas songs are gimmicks? Well, it's every year at Christmas. So that's a gimmick. every year at Christmas, there's always Christmas music playing, and that's a Christmas song. But Madonna had her album put in. Yeah, but Madonna put out... And much more important than Mariah Carey. Anyways, I don't see Madonna's Santa Baby putting in there. Well, that was a song she did for charity, and she doesn't push it on everybody every year. She doesn't push it? She didn't have to sell her soul to the devil just to get a song played every year. Oh, you're such a shit, Chris. Whatever. Did you see the article where Madonna's wanting to change her appearance again? I read that in three different places today. Um, But by the same token, before you go into it, let let me just preface it with people will run with something Madonna says as if it's fact, but not get all the information. Because remember, you're not just listen to me. It was widely reported that she was changing her name to Esther at one point in time because of what she said. And people didn't actually listen to what she said, because what she said was in the study of the Kabbalah, you associate your spiritual being with somebody from the Bible. And she chose to to associate her spiritual being with Esther. And from that, people started saying, Madonna's changing her name to Esther. But you didn't let me finish what it was. I'm just saying, I, I'm just prefacing, because they do take things of hers the wrong way. Well, anyway, whether it's true or not, she's um, wanting to please her fans so much before she start, embarks on this tour in July that um, she's wanting to change her face back to more classic Madonna than what it is now. So we'll see. Yeah. If if she's changing it, I would think that it's all because of the backlash. The, the pressure. Yeah, because she caught hell for that Grammy's appearance. It was, oh, it was awful. She caught hell for that. And And, you know, what got me... And there was another podcast, and I, I even commented to them, and they refused to see it the same way I did, but they dogged Madonna for her appearance at the Grammys. And I pointed out to them, you know, instead of tearing her down, she has done so much good with her career and her money and everything, and everything she does, she gets torn down for. Why are you going to go after her for something superficial as looks? She gets attacked constantly. You're not anything new here. And stop attacking her because it's the easy thing to do. Because let's face it, people love to hate her. You never see as much bad publicity on people as what Madonna seems to get. Even Michael Jackson didn't seem to get the amount of negativity reported on him. Because remember, she adopted children. Oh, She's just trying to get press. She built a school in Malawi. Why can't she adopt children from here? Why can't she build a school here? She's doing good. You know, doing good. And clearly, she cared about the kids because she adopted more and still has them and promotes them constantly. Like, she moved to Portugal so her son could play soccer. Her adopted son. But the, the podcast I'm talking about dogged her for her look at the Grammys and then 
went in and praised Lady Gaga for what was seemingly an attention grab at the Oscars. Because Lady Gaga showed up dressed to the nines with full makeup and hair on the red carpet. And then all of a sudden performs on the show when she wasn't supposed to even perform because she couldn't make it. And dresses down in torn jeans and a t-shirt and most of her makeup removed. What was bad about that? Well, it's, it was an attention grab. Like, well, that's it, part of the, all the stars do that, though. Not to that extent. But if you're going to praise her for her look, why are you going to tear down Madonna for hers? That was my point. And, wow. and it was a gay podcast so madonna again for madonna's shopping. done more for the gay community than about any other celebrity madonna a lot of what she does is for shock value you gotta admit that but it's also her like if if it wasn't the way she really is do you really think she'd have been like this all along but at some point it would change but anyway that big bubble butt she had on that show lord god but Anyways, um, yeah, that's reported what she's doing is going back underneath the knife and trying to go back to a more classic look than whenever she embarks on her new tour. So we'll see what happens. And like I said, I'm not a fan of the look she has currently. I've said it multiple times. At first, I thought it was a filter until the Christmas pictures came out. And you've pointed out here on the show multiple times. And then all of a sudden she appears at the Grammys and that's when people notice it. It's like she's been looking like this for how long now? And it took y'all until the Grammys to see it? No, I've told you this whole time she looked like you just refused to see it. Well, I thought it was a filter. I mean, it really did come across as a filter. You forget, I follow her on Instagram, TikTok, on Twitter. I, I mean, she posts that ghoulish face of hers so much on TikTok. It's not even funny. But until I saw the Christmas photos, I really did think it was a filter. Because even when she was on The Tonight Show, she didn't look like that. And that was after the pictures had come out, which is why I thought it was a filter. Yeah. Because if you go back and look at The Tonight Show, the outfit she wore made her look kind of heavy because she had those big pants on. But her face didn't look quite like that. It looked more like Madonna. Yeah. With some pull. But but anyways, we gotta move on because we got a lot more to cover. This was announced, and I don't know if you know, but HGTV brings Mattel's Barbie Dreamhouse to life in new competition series. This is from HGTV.com. One of the world's most iconic toys will become reality when HGTV taps into the zeitgeist of Mattel's Barbie. In its new competition series, Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge, set to premiere on HGTV this summer. Would you want to live in Barbie's Dreamhouse? You cut out. Are they, are they are talking, they talking about, about really building one? Life size yep. to live in? Yeah, there's, there's a video on it. Or are they talking like a dollhouse? No, this is actual house. I don't know about that. 
I wouldn't want the pink, but I would not turn down the chance to live in a house that nice. Well, you know it's going to be completely over the top for Barbie. Yeah. Filled with the most posh upholstery that you can find that's pink. And of course, we know why they're doing it because of the Barbie movie coming out late this summer. And I watched the trailer and I think it looks kind of funny. So, yeah. But, anyways, since we're into entertainment, let's go full in. WWE got an Emmy nomination. I watched that last night, by the way. I did not. I was working. For the first time, I've watched WWE in forever and I actually enjoyed watching it. This is from F4WOnline.com. WWE and Peacock's Ric Flair documentary nominated for Sports Emmy Award. It's one of five nominees in the Outstanding Non-Documentary category, which I didn't even know there was a Sports Emmys. So that's a first that one on But it kind of negates the, the impressiveness of the WWE getting an Emmy nomination. I saw your boy Cody Rhodes last night. He was on there last night. He wasn't on last night. He would have been on two nights ago on Monday. It was two nights ago then on Monday. That's what it was. It was Monday night when I watched it. But I know he's supposedly challenging Brock Lesnar for backlash. Yeah, he was um, talking smack about him Monday night. That's because they were in a supposed to be in a tag team match the week before and Brock Lesnar attacked him before they started. Yeah. But it's the article reads WWE and Peacock's Woo! Becoming Ric Flair documentary is in the running for a Sports Emmy Award. The Flair documentary is one of five nominees in the Outstanding Long Documentary category at the 44th Annual Sports Emmy Awards. The full list of nominees was revealed on Tuesday. So, after Jackie from the History Channel, Citizen Ash from CNN, NYC Point Gods from Showtime and the Redeem Team from Netflix are the four other documentaries nominated in the category. Next up is an article I thought you might be interested in, and there's not a lot of information, so I'm just going to briefly mention it. But the directors of the two latest Scream films are now up for an unnamed Universal Monsters movie. I hope Scream 7. Oh, they'll do Scream 7, but they're they're also being set up at Universal to do a new monster movie, like Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man, those movies. Oh. So they may be rebooting the monster franchise again and trying to get it right this time, which the Invisible Man movie was really good, I will say. Um, I did read an article today where um, someone posted, I mean, one of those uh, groupie fan photo fans of a Harry Potter thing where HBO is uh, officially in the yeah, that's, that's my next thing is I'm getting into all the HBO Max stuff so yeah go ahead so first up the big news of the day was Warner Brothers this is from Deadline Warner Brothers Discovery confirms rebrand of HBO Max to Max launch date set the new offering, which combines programming from HBO Max and Discovery, will go live May 23rd. 
the company made the announcement during a press event at stage 14 on its Burbank lot. That means that the Discovery Plus content is coming to HBO Max. It will be called Max at that point. And currently, there is no plan to change the pricing as Paul is playing with a paperclip on his face right now. Actually, it's a clothespin. Or clothespin, rather. So, y'all don't get to see what I see. So, he's there <laughs> trying to take me. But with that came a slew of television announcements for the new Max. First up from the wrap, the Big Bang Theory spinoff in development at Max from Chuck Lore. Of course, the creator of the Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon, the first spinoff, they're now an unknown spinoff from the Big Bang Theory is set up at Max. I just wonder if they're going to give back some of the original actors to play in it. I don't know. There's no information on it at all. Don't know who it's going to be, what it's going to be yet. That would be really good if they could. But I'm sure that Big Bang Theory was one of the big driving forces for HBO Max subscriptions. So, of course, they're going to do what they can to bastardize it, keep it going. But next up at Max, the Conjuring TV series is in development. This one's from Variety. HBO Max is developing TV series based on New Line Cinema's The Conjuring Universe. The news was announced on Wednesday exclusively during Warner Brothers Discovery's unveiling of the Max streaming service on the Warner Brothers lot in Los Angeles. According to Warner Brothers, the Conjuring television series will continue the story established in the feature films. Producer Peter Safran is attached to executive produce the series via his Safran Company banner. James Wan, who was who also produced and directed several films within the franchise, is in talks to executive produce. Wan's Atomic Monster Productions is backing the project alongside Warner Brothers Television. So again, no information as to what it's about, but it is the same driving forces behind the Conjuring universe. And finally, I'm sure you've seen this one reported. I talked about it last week. It is now official. Harry Potter TV series adaptation is happening at Max. Yay! So, all kinds of stuff coming to Max. And on top of that, we already knew Creature Commando's animated series was coming to HBO, well, to Max now, by James Gunn. They've announced the cast for it now. Um, The notable names I'm going to mention, because the others I don't really know, there's Maria Bakalova as Princess Ilana Rostovic, Indira Varma as The Bride, Zoe Chow as Nina Mazursky, Sean Gunn is GI Robot, but I saw earlier that he's reprising the role of Weasel. Um, Amanda Waller will play by Viola Davis. Frank Grillo will play Rick Flagg Sr. Um, David Harbour, of course, from the Hellboy film, the remake, and Stranger Things. He is playing Eric Frankenstein. Steve Agee reprising his role as John Economos. And most important to me, the man who is no stranger to true DC Comics fans, Alan Tudyk, is playing Dr. Phosphorus. He was Mr. Nobody in the Doom Patrol. He was on he was Van Wayne on the TV series Powerless. He's fantastic. He's also in Resident Alien on Sci-Fi, which I haven't watched, but I do want to watch. So I'm even more gung-ho for 
gun not being a pun intended there, but I'm much more gun ho for creature commandos now with that cast. Next up, since we're talking about new TV series, Amazon has a new greenlit series for sure. Right now set up at Freebie, but they're saying it could make the switch to Prime Video. Cruel Intentions TV series is a go. That'd be good. Uh, I don't know if you can make a great TV series out of that. But also announced is a Stranger Things animated series coming. Oh. I don't know about that. There's This is from GoodMorningAmerica.com. It just says, a new animated series that's, quote, set within the Duffer Brothers Stranger Things universe is coming, Netflix announced when, on Monday. It does not have any real details to it yet. So I'll watch it for sure because I love Stranger Things and I'm not against animation like Paul is, but I, I definitely will watch it. And that's pretty much it. There is an article from Variety for anybody who wants to look it up. It's 22 best movies new to streaming in April. Cocaine Bear, Ghosted, Peter Pan and Wendy, and more. That was published on April 7th at 12.27 p.m. Like I said, I'm not going to read through the 22 titles, but if you'd like to see it, that is on there. Did you have any entertainment news to discuss? Um, uh, not that I know of. Nothing I can think of right now. Okay, well that brings us to the unfortunate multiple losses that we've had this week, so I'm going to go through them pretty quickly instead of dwelling on some of them, but I will dwell on a couple because of who they are, but not trying to to take away from anybody, but first up from Pitchfork.com, Pilots Ian Berenson, guitarist on Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights, dies at 69. He had been living with dementia. He was also a member of the Alan Parsons Project, who I loved. I don't know if you remember Alan Parsons Project, but I loved him. Next up, Judy Farrell, MASH and Fame actress, dies at 84. Is Judy Farrell, the actress and writer, best known for her role as Nurse Abel on the long-running TV dramedy MASH, has died at 84. Loretta Swit, who starred alongside Farrell on the show, confirmed the news to EW and said in a statement, Judy was a most beautiful woman inside and out. We grew up together. She was family. This has been a painful loss, but we will always have the beauty of her memory. Rest in peace, Nurse Abel. And, of course, that is from entertainmentweekly.com. Next up is a couple of amazing lives, to be honest. And first up, Al, this is from APNews.com. Al Jaffe, longtime Mad Magazine cartoonist, dead at 102. What? Yes. Wow. It says, Al Jaffe, Mad Magazine's award-winning cartoonist and ageless wise guy who delighted millions of kids with the sneaky fun of the fold-in and the snark of, quote, snappy answers to stupid questions, has died. Jaffe died Monday in Manhattan from multiple organ failure, according to his granddaughter, Fanny Thompson. He had retired at the age of 99. Wow. So, I mean, that is impressive all the way around, working until you're 99 years old. And granted, it's writing, but it's still yeah. working. That's it's still working. a very yeah. sharp mind to be able to do that. 
and to want to do that at that age, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And the next one is from NPR.org. Bill Butler, Jaws cinematographer, dies at 101. Wow. Bill Butler died Wednesday, just days before his 102nd birthday, according to the American Society of Cinematographers. He was known for shooting Jaws and other iconic films. I'm trying to see. He also shot three Rocky sequels, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, and Rocky 4, and pictures including Grease, The Conversation, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, for which he earned an Oscar nomination. Wow. He's worked on some great films. Can't anybody tell me they've never seen anything he did. Yeah. Because if you haven't seen Jaws or Grease or a Rocky movie, where have you been all your life? Been living living under a rock. I can't imagine anybody having not seen at least one of those movies. Most likely, people have seen all those movies. Yeah. Next up is from The Guardian. Rachel Pollack, trans activist and comic book writer, dies aged 77. Rachel Pollack, award-winning author, leading authority on tarot and the occult, trans activist and comic book writer, who created the first mainstream transgender superhero, has died aged 77. As an author of speculative fiction, she published seven novels and four collections of short stories, including 1980's Golden Vanity and Unquenchable Fire, which won the Arthur C. Clarke Award for Science Fiction in 1989. Her most recent, The Fissure King, was published in 2017. I know she wrote for Doom Patrol at one point in time. I'm not quite sure who the transgender character was. This is all an article, so I won't go through all of it. But that's quite a body of work there alone. So, Oh, yeah. Next up, people who know me will know this one's hitting kind of hard. SoMagNews.com ABBA guitarist Las Wallander, and I hate it if I mispronounce that name, has died at the age of seven. It's L-A-S-S-E-W-A-L-L-A-N-D-E-R. Longtime Abadart guitarist has died at the age of 70. He played guitar on many of Abba's most famous tracks and toured with the band for many years and participated in the creation of the Mamma Mia soundtrack. The musician died on Friday, April 7th, after he was recently diagnosed with cancer, according to a statement from his family on Facebook. So, I'm Chris. Yeah. Um, you're an ABBA fan, right? I'm a huge ABBA fan. I love them. Did you see who's coming to the Newton Performing Arts Center? Yeah, Faba and I just... I don't want to see somebody performing as them. I want to see them. No, they're the number one tribute band in the world. They performed at the O2 Arena. They performed at the Grammys. They're huge. Yeah, but... That's a huge group. ABBA reunited for a show... In Europe, I can't remember exactly where. I'm sure it was Sweden, but I just I'm not interested in seeing. I mean, I mean, they may I be got, great now, but I'd rather see I, the real deal. I got friends driving in from Myrtle Beach to see this. That's how big that is. I mean, it's it, to me that's kind of like going to see an Elvis impersonator or an Olivia Newton-John impersonator. It's it's not worth the fifty, sixty, seventy bucks. I'm going. 
You can let us know how it is. And I'm also going to see Debbie Gibson, too. Yeah, I'm not going to that one either. Her meet and greet is kind of outrageous. Like, you have to buy tickets for the show, and then you have to pay, like, another $150 for the meet and greet. Well, the meet and greet's already sold out, so... Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying it's that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, she, um, is and, Debbie. she is Debbie Gibson. I mean... I'm not sure, but I'm, one of our listeners, Sean, I, he likes Debbie Gibson a lot, and I don't know if he's got tickets for her or not, but I know I've told him that she's coming. So, Sean, if you're out there listening, hi. But, hi. But moving on is the final one for me this week. And this one, they're not going to say what I know him for, but I'll get into that in a minute. This is from USA Today. Michael Lerner, Martin Fink, and Elf star dies at 81. Quote, we lost a legend. Michael Lerner, best known for his roles in Barton Fink, Godzilla, and Elf, has died. Lerner's nephew, the Goldbergs actor Sam Lerner, confirmed his death in an Instagram post Sunday. A cause of death was not given. And going down here, um, it says, born in 1941 to Romanian Jewish parents and raised in Brooklyn's Red Hook neighborhood, Lerner made his acting debut with a guest role on the medical drama Dr. Kildare in 1963. He went on to appear in numerous television series in the following decades, such as The Brady Bunch, The Odd Couple, The Rockford Files, The 18, and Hill Street Blues, and leaving out the one I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to go to his movies first. Because um, he had, I saw this earlier, it says, following the success of Barton Fink, Lerner continued to appear in various films and TV series, including Clueless, Godzilla, Elf, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, and Glee. Lerner's most recent role was in the Sergei Mokritsky directed war drama Hervey Oscar in 2022. The one they're not mentioning that he appeared on in television was back in the 70s. He was the manager of Lane Kincaid, who was played by Leif Garrett, in the episode titled My Teenage Idol is Missing, the season premiere of the final season of Wonder Woman. Of course. Yep. He was the manager of Lane Kincaid. It was a story where they kidnapped the the singer and replaced him with his twin and ransomed him off for money. And I've watched that episode multiple times because I really enjoyed that one a lot. So if you haven't seen it, go check that one out because it's really good. And with that, I do believe we are done with the first half. So we'll be back. Paul will be reviewing Ghost Ship. And then he chose Jury Duty on Freebie by Amazon. And we will be reviewing Boston Strangler from Hulu. So stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back. First up, let's do the top 10 films of the weekend. I'm going to do the regular weekend, not the Easter weekend, but I will mention a couple from the Easter weekend. Uh, debuting at number 10 is Paint, $570,512. Down from 7 to 9, 1001 $599,990 in its second week for $2.9 million. 
I have no clue what either one of those are, to be honest. I've not heard of either one of them before. Down from six to eight is Shazam Fury of the Gods. Over one and a half million on its fourth weekend for $56,564,441 to date, which is so disappointing because that is such a good movie. But May 23rd on HBO Max, which will be Max at that point. Down from five to seven is Creed 3. Just under 2.8 million in its sixth weekend for almost 153 and a quarter million dollars. Down from three to six, his only son, 2.8 million its second weekend for 10.6 million. Down from four to five, and I'm really surprised this one's hanging on as large as it has. Scream six, 3.4 million in its fifth weekend for almost 104 million dollars to date. Wow. Down from one to four, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. million in its second weekend for $61,658,546. Debuting at number three is Air, with just under $14.5 million, and apparently it opened on Wednesday, so its five-day total was $20,204,133. Holding in second place is John Wick Chapter 4, just under $14.5 in its third weekend, rather, with $146,933,160 to date. And apparently also opened on Wednesday because there is a different total from the weekend to the gross. Debuted at number one, the Super Mario Brothers movie, $146,361,865 with a almost $205 million take on the weekend from Wednesday to Monday. Well, from how, Wednesday to Sunday, how is Wednesday that? Two hundred twenty-four and three-quarter million dollars, and I do not get the thrill over this movie. I don't get it. Two hundred million dollars for a freaking Mario film? What? I don't get it. Is it live action? Is it cartoon? What it's is cartoon. it? But it's okay. domestic. I'm going to talk frankly for a second. A fucking cartoon movie did $200 million in its open weekend? Well, cartoons always do really well depending on what they are. Shrek. A Mario cartoon? Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, Toy Story. Classics. Classics. This might be a classic in the future. Who put it out? Uh, That I'm not sure. Is that a Disney movie? Universal. Universal put out a cartoon movie. Based on one of the most successful video game franchises of all time. I know that. But 200 million. It's kids going. They're taking their kids. But hold on. That's um, that's uh, Avatar film movie money. Well, it won't hold on that long, but it's it's going to make curious, it. I'm curious. What's the worldwide in what's the worldwide intake on that movie this weekend? Domestic is fifty six point one percent of the gross, two hundred forty million two hundred one thousand two hundred sixty dollars. International is forty three point nine percent, one hundred eighty seven million six hundred fifty thousand four hundred seventeen dollars. Worldwide take four hundred twenty seven million eight hundred fifty one thousand six hundred and seventy seven dollars. Almost a half a billion dollars this weekend alone. Yep. 
in the well, world. Five day. Now seven day because it okay so seven days a half a billion dollars in seven days. What was the movie budget for this film? Uh, that I don't know. Let's see. It can't be much since it's animated. Let's see. A hundred million dollars US estimated budget. How can it be a hundred million dollars when there's no sets that had to been built? When there's uh, no locations had to be filmed at. You have to pay the artists, you have to pay the voice actors, and Chris Pratt is the voice of Mario in this. Chris Pratt ain't cheap because he's probably basically an A-lister now. It's it's not just him. It's uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Jack Black, Charlie Day, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen, Kevin Michael Richardson, who is a big deal in animation. He's voiced a lot of stuff. Terry Payton. So there are some names in there. I don't get it. Joy just nominated for an Academy Award this past year. I still don't get it. $500 million in seven days for a freaking cartoon movie. Well, $428 million in seven days. It might as well be $500 million at this point. I am just dumbfounded. Well, it's like I always said. The money made does not reflect the quality of the film all are you going to watch this? I might eventually, but I will never pay to watch it. Like if it's coming to a service that I I'm pay not, for, which would be Peacock, I might watch it. I will not pay to watch this at all. No, I'm not going out of my way to watch it. I'm not desperate to see it. Well, okay, let's talk about Scream Six for a second. I did read an article today about Scream Seven, and. They're saying that this is going to be the last of the Scream franchise. Part seven is. So that's what that's what the rumors are saying. It'll be another trilogy, but then how many more years before? And granted, they can't keep going with these same cast over and over because it's like the TV series. What I said about it: how many times can these same people be targeted by a killer? And keep well, bring. Well, you know, they're we're going to bring back Watch Caller, so Nev Campbell. The, yeah, they're supposed the next to. One. Yeah, so. Yeah, okay. Got that one, yeah. okay, let's move along. Uh, first up, we'll pick the movie, or play to the movie that Paul picked, which was Ghost Ship from 2002. Letterboxd has it 2.4 out of 5. IMDb with 104,000 reviews, 5.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter, 128 reviews, 15%. Audience score with 250,000 plus ratings, 37%, which is about what I remember. But Paul, you it's fresh on your mind, so tell us. Um, Ghost Ship is a story, it starts out, um, it's a ocean liner, probably back down in the 40s or something like that. And it's um ha- it's uh, kind of like Titanic-ish almost, but it's smaller than the Titanic. 
And it starts out with all these people that's on this dinner cruise, or they're all out on this back deck. And um, something happens along the way where this cord gets pulled taut, and um, the cord slices all the people that's on back of the ship in half, killing them, except for a little girl. So apparently, everybody who is on the back of the ship at this main ball outside, and the only person that survived was the little girl. Fast forward, there's, um, there's these treasure seekers um, going out in the ocean and finding these sunken ships and all these ships that are out there. And um, this, uh, they are back in from a, a big hall and this man overhears them saying, you know, oh, we did this, we did that. So this man walks up to him and says, hey, I'm a helicopter pilot and I found this ship. It's set adrift you know, out in the middle of the ocean in um, international waters and it's totally dark and it looks like it's, you know, needs to be checked out. Would you be interested in it? So basically they end up agreeing with him and going out there and checking it out and they ends up being that ship where all those people got killed on. And that's when, you know, certain ghosts start appearing, certain things start happening on the ship while they're investigating it some kind of weird events start happening where some of them starts getting killed and um, long story short um, you know it's an old movie I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what happens the girl was left on the ship she ended up hanging herself and uh, the little girl and she ends up helping a lot of those people around the ship um, in ghost form and uh, And warn these people that the guy that showed them where the boat is is a demon. So he was trying to get more souls and collect more souls for that ship by killing them off. So uh, some of the people end up escaping and some of them don't, but the ship ends up sinking and. Uh, well, it actually ended up finding gold on the on the ship, and it's going to take the gold off of there. And, anyways, it it kept popping up on my feed on Netflix as a suggested watch for me for the longest time. And I thought I'll just give in and watch it this weekend. Um, I wouldn't call it. It was listed as a horror movie. I wouldn't call it a quote unquote horror movie. I would call it at best a chiller it wasn't really scary at all um i just call it a chiller movie was it the best acting mm, not really but um it was okay will i watch it again mm, probably not but um anyway my i basically watched it out of curiosity to see um just to see what it's about and I did, and I'm glad I got it out of my system. And, um, I mean, if you want to watch something that's a, like a chiller movie, this would be a movie for you. So, yeah. The cast included Juliana Margulies, who was hot from ER at the time, Gabriel yeah. Byrne, Ron Elder, Desmond Harrington, Isaiah Washington, who would go on to infamy as wasn't he the one who had the fight with TJ Knight on, or TR Knight on? Grey's Anatomy set. 
I don't know. I didn't watch Greatest Anatomy. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was the one who used the homophobic slurs against T.R. Knight on Grey's Anatomy set and costumed his career for quite a while. Alex Dimitriades, Carl Urban, who is now the butcher on The Boys, people will know. Emily Browning. Those are the only names that really are familiar to me. Like I said, it's been since it was in the theaters that I saw this. I don't remember much anything about it, but I do remember I didn't really care for it. Now, was he working in the theater when this came out, Chris? Yes, which was the reason I watched it in the theater, because I didn't have to pay. I was wondering. Yeah, it's it was not anything special to me, and I watched it then, never had any desire to go back and watch it again. So the poster was great. Oh, it's a cool goal in the face. Yeah, it's a cool looking um, thing for the movie. So yeah, like I said, it kept pop. It just kept popping up as a suggest. It's like one of the top suggestions for me on Netflix, and I just thought I'd go ahead and cave in and watch it. So that's why I did it. I think. Google has it listed as HBO Max. Yeah, it says watch on HBO Max, watch it on Prime with premium subscription. Does not say Netflix. Hulu was a okay, premium may- subscription. Maybe it was one of them this weekend. I can't remember, but it just kept popping up on my feed. So, Or Google could be wrong, which wouldn't be the first time. But, but it was okay. Will- Desmond Harrington, for those who didn't recognize the name, if you watch Dexter, you will know who he is. He was also in the first Wrong Turn movie, which was surprisingly good. But he was the co-star with Juliana Margulies. But that brings us to the next pick, which was Paul's, and that was Jury Duty. And this is going to show you how people can react differently. So... IMDb lists it with 167 reviews, 2.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, the average tomato meter is 55%, does not say how many reviews. And again, no number of reviews, the average audience score is 98%. Paul, again, you picked this one, so tell us what it was about. Okay. It's about this jury that has come together, and every one of them's actors, even the judge. Well, uh, Um, it said one was not an actor. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Just chill. So, yeah, there's one of them that is not an actor. And he's the only one that doesn't know what's going on. The rest of them is in on it. And the whole premise of everything is ad-libbed. There's no script. There's no script to it at all. Oh, Everyone... and by the way, I have the wrong, real quick, I have the wrong jury duty pulled up because I just looked at the cast and had Dick Van Patten. And I'm like, so that was not the right. I'm going to look for the actual jury duty series on IMDb while you're talking. So um, everyone is ad-libbing everything. Um, There is one famous person in it. He was an X-Men in it. James Marsden. Huh? James Marsden. Yeah, he gets recognized by a lot of the people in there. and he tries to end up trying to be like a big shot. But anyways, it's this, it's this guy. He's normal. This is his first time being in anything. And actually, um, Chris, I found him on Facebook and I chatted with him a little bit about the show. <laughs> uh, 
I actually sent him a message on Facebook and he returned my message. Would you believe that? Well, he so, probably doesn't have a whole lot else going on. So, yeah. Um, so, or he was saying this crazy stalker person here. Well, I mean, he mentioned his name during the show and I found him on Facebook and I messaged him. I said, Hey, guy, I'm really enjoying this jury show. And he wrote back, he said, Great, thank you. He said, um, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And he wrote, and I wrote back, I said, yeah, so far I'm four episodes into it. And he goes, oh, wait till you get more into it. He said it becomes even crazier. And he said, and I had no clue what was going on during this whole process. So that was really what cool did, that he actually wrote me back. It was Ross, right? Um, let, me go so to, let me go to my Facebook messages right quick. Well, I can't because I'm in it right now. Well, I'm thinking he was the solar panelist because he's the solar panelist. It's that's who he looks like. It would be Russ. He's actually an actor, so that was a lie too on there. Like he's been an actor for a long time. Ronald Ronald Gladden. That's the guy who's not the actor. Is Ronald Gladden? That's his okay. first time being in anything. He's he's not even listed on here. Let me. Because Ross Kimball played Ross something on there, and he was in Masterminds and other stuff. But yeah, all of them's actors except for Ron. Ronald, what? Ronald Gladden. That this is his debut. G L A D D E N. Okay, here he is, actor, jury, jury duty. That's it. That's the only this thing is, he did. So, this is it. This is his first thing. He basically was punked on this, <laughs> so it was. Re it's really cool seeing his reactions to everybody around him, because it is so. It's so funny. The more you get into it, all these characters start building up, <laughs> and seeing all this hijinks and shit goes on, and he's just like, you gotta see his face when shit's going on around him. It's just like it's priceless to see his reactions. And the actual rating on jury duty on Amazon or on IMDb is 866 reviews, 8.4 out of 10 for this one. So I highly suggest it. If you're looking for something that's true comedy and it's unscripted, watch it. Because like I said, everybody's ad-libbing everything. They're just winging everything and going with it. That's what they're doing. So, yeah. See, and I, I did, I, and I did kind of interview Ronald Gladden for a couple years. We did exchange about five messages back and forth. I, I did watch the first episode, and I was not as impressed as Paul. Like, you got to watch the it, rest of them, Chris. You just it doesn't the first me one. make me want to watch the rest of them. Anyways, it and, has and been... let, let, me, let me say, I, I love James Marsden, not loved all of his work because. I thought The Notebook was a terrible movie. Sorry, James Marsden, if you're listening, but I really did not enjoy it. And I, there was some movie where he was the the guy that some woman was seeing, but she was married, and he ended up getting killed in it, and I thought that was a terrible movie. Don't even remember what it was. I didn't choose to watch it. It was on at work one day. But loved him as Cyclops. Thought he was really good in Hop. He's been in some really good stuff along the way. But, so seeing him... I have interest in it, but yeah, it just 
it didn't really pull me in, didn't make me want to watch more. Of course, he was in Superman Returns. He always mentions Enchanted on there. Like, that's his go-to. Every time he's talking, he's mentioning Enchanted. Like, that's the biggest film that he's been in, but it's not. I would say the X-Men would be, because he even says oh, he gets really He keeps me. talking, he keeps getting, being a bloated toad the more it goes on, so. He has this <laughs> grandioso that he's like this big megastar, and everybody should be falling at his feet. It's it's actually uh, hilarious. I was looking at his list, and I just saw one, the 24th day. If you want a really good, compelling drama that could be done on a stage, 24th day is perfect for that because just read the premise of it you'll you'll see that better than i can tell you but that i really enjoyed that one a long time ago when i watched it it was released what 2004 if you haven't seen 24th day i I do recommend that one with james marsden but sidetrack anyways but anyway it's cute i highly suggest it if you're looking for something that's unscripted I mean, this is it. I mean, they just wing everything in this show. It's it's all winged. Everybody's just going by the their shirt tails. There's no script. Yeah, I just the the only thing that I really found funny in the the first one that made me chuckle a little bit was after he offered to buy everybody's food. Did yes. I already paid for mine? Did I get a refund? Do I get a refund? Yeah. That that was the only thing that really impressed me in the in the movie. So we're well, the there's, there's more way funnier moments than that. So as you go on in it, but I know you probably won't watch the rest of them, but on two two little interesting things from James Marsden. He was billed as Jimmy Marsden in these. He was in one episode in 1993 for each of these. One episode of Saved by the Bell, the new class. And in two episodes of The Nanny. Oh, really? Those are the second and third items listed for him. The first one being 1993's In the Line of Duty Ambush and Waco TV movie. So he got a pretty good start there, I'd say. I'm not a fan of Saved by the Bell in any way stretch of the imagination, but I mean, it was a huge hit show. Yeah. And the nanny is a classic. Whether you like it or not, it's still talked about to this day. I love Miss Fine. So, okay. But yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to watch any more of Jury Duty. It's not pulling me in. So, great that you love it, but it just, it's not my thing. Well, I was forced to kind of watch it, but after the second episode, I was, I was like into it at that point. So, um, I might try and watch more of it, but it will not be this weekend because I'll be working Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I will be watching The Power for next week, even though Paul will not be able to because he doesn't have Prime. It's a Tony Collette show. I've got to watch it. Okay. And I've still got to catch up on Perry Mason and. I've got to watch Titans that comes on tomorrow. So, like I said, I I won't be watching it. Okay. What else we got? That brings us to our final review that Paul was supposed to review and didn't, which is Boston Strangler, the Hulu original. 
Metacritic has it listed at 58%. IMDb has it 6.5 out of 10 with 18,000 reviews. The tomato meter with 128 reviews is 69%. The audience score with over 250 ratings is 74%. Basically what this is, is the story of the Boston Strangler, but told through the eyes of the reporters that were reporting on it, played by Kira Knightley and Kara Coon, Carrie Coon. It also has Chris Cooper, Al- Alessandro Navola, uh, David Dasmalkian. Uh, let me see, Rory Cochran. And that was one thing. It was just this odd event, odd series of events that happened over the weekend because I watched it Sunday. And Saturday, everybody was posting, it's Rex Manning Day! Because if you watched Empire Records, you know Rex Manning Day is a big deal on there. You haven't watched Empire Records, highly recommend it. I've reviewed it on one of my early shows. But Rory Cochran was in Empire Records. He was the one who stole the deposit. And so it's Rex Manning Day on Saturday. I'm talking about Empire Records. Then I go to watch Boston Strangler. And the detective is coming in to check on somebody after getting a call about noises in the apartment. And I was like, that looks like the guy from Empire Records. So Saturday's Rex Manning Day, Sunday I'm watching Boston Strangler, and sure enough, it's the guy from Empire Records, Rory Pop. So I just found that as an odd series of coincidences. And then we were out to eat at Cracker Barrel on Saturday night, and we went somewhere the next day, I think, and there was Pizza Hut on Sunday. They were playing the Gin Blossoms while we were in Pizza Hut. Gin Blossoms had Till I Hear It From You in the movie Empire Records. So, what do you eat at Pizza Hut? Pizza. What kind of pizza? Uh, we got the big box deal, and he got bacon on his pizza. I got mushrooms on mine, and then we got the cheesy Alfredo with the breadsticks with cheese in it. Okay, just curious. Yeah, it's it, and we. I really enjoyed it, but of course it's greasy because it's pan pizza. But it was it was really good. Yeah, so. So Boston Strangler is told through the eyes of the reporters, and it shows the the one who was starting to investigate it when nobody else was. That was Kira Knightley's character, Loretta McLaughlin. And just a spoiler alert, but at the end of the movie, it tells about where these people actually went in their lives, and Loretta McLaughlin was actually credited as one of the pioneering journalists to really investigate HIV in its early days. Yeah. So she was the one who pushed for the investigation into the Boston Strangler. She pushed for the investigation into HIV. So she is a very important political reporter in history. Cannot deny that. And I like the fact that it's told through the eyes of the reporters instead of trying to tell through the eyes of the Boston Strangler. Because you can get the information from the reporters. You are basically trying to figure out the point of view from the the killer. Yeah. And I was not the most familiar with this. Quick spoiler, but I'm sure it's part of the history of the Boston Strangler, if you know it. Like I said, I'm not real well-versed on Boston Strangler. But the spoiler is 
if they were right, there were three killings. And one person took the blame, but he had been rooming with one who they thought was really the killer. And then another one was named, and they said that it was basically, they think they were teaming off on it, like, without really teaming off, but they talked to each other as they were roommates and then talked with this other one. And so one was targeting older women, and then all of a sudden it switched and they were targeting younger women. And that was one of the things they mentioned was that's not typically how the psychology goes. They don't switch from one age group to another different kind of group. But I thought the movie was really well told, very well acted. It was heavily filtered. though. Like there was a, a real dark filter on the film. I don't think they needed that. But the sets looked great. The, the cinematography, the, the art decoration on it, it all looked authentic to the time period. And they even got a little bit into her and her husband, Loretta McLaughlin and her husband, where he pushes her at the start when she's the first person to report on the connected killings of the Boston Strangler and how she scooped everybody and then as her career starts going up and she can't fulfill her needs at the household he starts getting upset and they said at the end of it that they ended up separating and yeah. getting divorced so and that happens regularly unfortunately when one person's career takes off the other one doesn't accept it as well and it causes a rift that can never be repaired but to me, I thought it was a fantastic way of doing it, telling it through the reporters. Because, you know, they've done the Black Dahlia and they've named a killer and all of this, which Black Dahlia is one of the most famous unsolved mysteries of all time. They never did catch anybody and be able to pin it on them. Yeah. So making a movie where you name the killer that was never named, that was my problem with that movie back in the day. But this one doesn't do that it gives you the possibilities but it's all like i said through the eyes of the reporters and so i i thought that was a very well way of doing it or a good way of doing it so the funny thing you mentioned the black dahlia i'm following this investigator on tiktok and he has opened the case of the black dahlia again and he's investigating it and he's going through every bit of the evidence and and talking about what he's finding and and what people he's going to go question next so it's actually pretty interesting you mentioned that uh, i was introduced to black dahlia way back in the nbc days of unsolved mysteries yeah so because robert stack was telling us all about it but yeah, as, as far as the Hulu, and it's a 20th Century Studios film, the Boston Strangler. Yeah, it's been done before, but I thought they did it really well. I've not watched any of the others, so I don't know how it compares, but I really enjoyed this. And, you know, even if you go back to Zodiac, with was it Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie? They name a killer in that one, and they never did actually catch anybody. So, 
this one I like that they had caught somebody who confessed, but they also gave more information about other possible suspects. But they didn't say flat out that they any one of them did it. So I would definitely watch this one again. I highly suggest watching it. I think it's really well done. And like I said, the making it look like the period, they did a fantastic job. So with that, I do believe we're done. Like I said, next week, I will definitely be reviewing The Power because it stars Tony Collette, who I absolutely love, as I've said multiple times, and have since Muriel's Wedding. If you've never seen Muriel's Wedding, that's a really good one. You should watch it. I've seen it. You have? It's, it's really good, isn't it? I love it. They got a lot of good music in it. And that's the one I used to dream about an Abba song. Now my life is like an Abba song. Yes, there's a lot of Abba music in it. She is obsessed with Abba in it. I mean, it's, Muriel's wedding is fantastic. And I've, I've pretty much enjoyed everything Tony Collette has been in. And always look forward to seeing her and stuff. So I'll be reviewing that. So far, there are four episodes on Prime. I don't know how many there's actually going to be, but I'm hoping to get through all four before the show next week. And if there's another one, all five. But Paul may pick something. Paul may not pick something. We never know about Paul. Is it going to be Monday? Yes. Ooh. Okay, I'll try to do something between now and then. And like I said, I don't know if I'll be able to review what Paul reviews, and he probably won't be able to review what I review. So maybe doing separate reviews again this week. But any okay. final word, Paul? No, nothing at all. Yeah. That I know of. With that, until next week, I do believe we're done. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.